Hi guys, how the hell are we? How are we doing? Are we still surviving this insane life in this crazy fucking world? It's easy for me to say this week, I am in Maui. We're doing a shit ton of wedding stuff. We're doing our tasting, our venue walkthrough, the whole nine yards. So that's where I am this week. But you know, my life last week wasn't as blissful as it is this week. And I was PMSing like crazy. And I was such a BI. I mean, I don't feel bad about it. I mean everything that I said in last week's episode. Like, I do hate a lot of certain things, but we just really focused on the negative. So this week, I decided that I would tell you things that I really love instead of things that I really hate. We have an incredible guest this week who we'll get to in a second, but I thought I'd start this week by telling you about some things that I could live without, but just would rather not. These are like some of my favorite products. I used to do a lot of these videos on Instagram, just showing you guys my favorite things, and I haven't done one in a while, so I thought, let's bring it onto the podcast and try it out here. Tell me if you like this, and we'll do it in the future. We can do this like nearly every episode or every other episode if you guys like it. So the first thing is we all know I'm a lazy bitch, so I hate shaving my legs. I am the girl that constantly has to be reminded to shave my armpits and legs. Like I will go out in shorts with inch long hair on my legs. Like it's truly, I just can't be bothered with shaving. It's such a, (laughs) such a pain in the ass. So my friend Marta showed me this incredible company called Hanny or Hani, H-A-N-N-I, that basically has waterless shaving. So you put on this, it's not a cream, it's like a roll-on, it looks like a deodorant kind of. You put that on and you can literally shave your legs on the couch without getting hair everywhere. It's, I don't know why it's taken us up until 2022 to come up with this product. And honestly, I'm kind of pissed I didn't come up with it myself, but I've been like a baby dolphin. I have been smooth as they come, shaven, not a hair in sight because of this, because I literally can just do, I can do it in the car, which I have probably 10 out of the 10 times that I've used it. So I highly recommend that. Oh, also we will link all of this stuff in the description. So you don't have to listen to my description of every item. You can just go to our show description and click the links there. We'll make it super easy. The second thing is I love that sun-kissed, kind of almost sunburnt look. And obviously we, we're not supposed to tan. I do, but you know, we're not supposed to. So the, this next item is pawpaw tinted balm. It's like this ointment balm. It can go on your lips. It can go on your cheeks. And I use the tinted version. So there, I think there are two or three types of tinted versions. They're all incredible. And it just gives you that like glowing from within highlighted, like dewy, delicious summer look. So I use it on my lips and on my eyes sometimes and on my cheeks, and it's just next level. So definitely buy that. I can't recommend any of these things enough. So just know if I'm mentioning it here now, I think you should buy it. The next thing is I'm pissed off at TikTok because everyone is now like it's basically like tampon gate. Everyone is talking about how bad tampons are for you and there's and pads and everything. And there's admittedly a lot of fear mongering going on. But just from past experience, I have been a free bleeder. I mean, this is humiliating. Forget I ever said this, but I'm a huge fan of free bleeding and I have been for years. I just haven't been very vocal about it because it's not really something people want to hear about. And people typically are tremendously judgmental about the fact that I do not use pads or tampons. I will like in a desperate situation, obviously, if I'm going swimming, I'm not going to go swimming without a tampon or whatever. But I am obsessed, obsessed with period underwear. I use two different kinds. One's from the period company and the other is from Thinks. I like the Thinks ones better. It just absorbs all the blood. It absorbs like eight tampons and like, I mean, it has all different levels. It absorbs 
all the blood so there's like no mess and you can wear them to sleep. If you just want to try it out for the first time, I highly recommend starting out by like sleeping in them. You will feel so free. The, the concept of free bleeding needs to catch on, but I just want to go on the record on this show and say that it is truly life-changing. Can't recommend period underwear enough. And you, I mean, you can think I'm gross, but just don't say I didn't tell you because it's amazing. The next thing is Tower 28. I think it's called SOS spray or like rescue spray. I don't know. We'll link it in the description. But it just like when, you know, like after you've picked your face for hours, I know we're not supposed to do that, but you know, we do. And after you pick your face and like you have like this raw, red, irritated skin, if you spray this stuff on it or if you're just having a terrible breakout, if you spray this stuff on it, on your face, it's like it never happened. Honestly, it takes all the redness away. It just helps your like soothe your broken out skin and your irritated skin. And it has a lot of uses, but I use it mostly for breakouts and it's amazing. Okay, I'm going to try to go through these a little quicker. We have the last thing, which are these incredible trousers. They're low rise black trousers that everyone thinks that they're from the row. They're not. They're literally like a hundred bucks or something. They're by Lioness and they have been getting me through the summer. If you follow me on Instagram, you are probably like, please God, take those pants off because I've been wearing them every fucking day, but they're great. So I wanted to recommend those and we'll link those as well. But now for the good stuff. Let's talk about our guest this week. We have TikTok sensation Victoria Paris on the show today who gave me a real tutorial in the world of TikTok and Gen Z. I just have to say that I am devastated to not be a youth anymore, like to no longer be in the generation that is marketed towards or that are the trendsetters to now be in the generation that is like responding to the trends of Gen Z. It's really devastating. Like when we're told not to wear skinny jeans or part our hair to the side, it's like a knife to the gut. Absolutely heartbreaking. But alas, you know, we left our differences at the door and I learned a lot about this generation and just about being a 23-year-old in general. So let me tell you a little bit about Victoria Paris. Dubbed the internet's designated it girl, Victoria Paris is a self-made media mogul who has taken the digital influencer space by storm. At the age of 23, Victoria has amassed over 1.5 million dedicated followers across TikTok and her other socials in just under six months, which blew my fucking mind. Victoria Paris is now a brand and tops the social media charts in fashion, fitness, and lifestyle simultaneously. Thanks to her dedicated fan base, dubbed the Victorians, naturally, who look to her every move as she displays her intimate connections, including, very candidly, coming out and speaking up about her bisexuality. After losing her job and ending a relationship, Victoria moved to New York in the middle of the pandemic and started her TikTok account, which was initially intended to just promote her Depop store, but found her passion making videos, utilizing the fairly new at the time social platform as an untapped fountain of opportunity. She now posts at least a dozen times a day, drawing viewers in with her stream of consciousness relatability and vlog-like filming style. Just a minor note, Victoria is in the process of moving to LA, which we all know is a great decision. So for her privacy, her neighborhood will be bleeped out in this episode. So if you hear a bleep, that's why. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this one. Without further ado, here is Victoria Paris. Hi, Victoria. Hi. Do you ever go by anything other than Victoria? 
No, my brother actually goes by a nickname and that I, I was always bugged by that growing up. I was like, that is not your real name. Go by your real name. Our mom like held us in the womb for nine months for you to like acronym yes. your name. Like, just <laughs> like what? You're, so no Vicky, no Vicky. No, hell <laughs> I feel no. like my mom is a Vicky and I feel like it ages you like a hundred years. I mean, my manager calls me V and he's the only person that you'll allow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, where the hell are you? I feel like you're like bouncing all over the United States. Yeah, I'm in LA right now. I'm like kind of pre-moving. I was like here looking for a place, found a place. I'm actually going out to the place I'm deciding to move to today to measure. And then I'm going back to New York on the 8th to move out. So this is like a trial run of California? I signed a six-month lease, so I would say it's okay. definitely a trial run, but also like where I'm leasing, it's extremely difficult to find stuff on the market to buy, and I really right. want to buy, so I feel like I need to like entrench myself in the community to find something off-market. For sure. I'm going to see a house after we do this. It's crazy. Like, I mean, the prices are kind of similar in New York, right? It's like hellish to find a place also there. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at so it's like cheaper for a nicer place, but... You are going to meet some characters. I know. I love it. I love it there. It's so good. You can get mushrooms from like every neighbor you have. It's an incredible place. Yeah. I stumbled upon it. I was on this road trip at the West Coast and I wanted to stay in a yurt so badly. And I was looking for the (laughs) cheapest yurt between San Francisco and LA and just ended up and fell in love. Wow. I would not expect the cheapest yurt to be in it was so shitty. It was like it was like ninety dollars a night, no Wi-Fi. You, you get into the canyon, and then thirty minutes deep into the canyon, it was so scary. Jesus. And like you had to walk fifteen minutes from your car, like hike to this yurt. And I think because it's so not accessible, it's so cheap. But I ended up falling in love and visiting every other month since then. No, it's good. You're gonna. I think you're gonna really like it. Do you like to drive? I love to drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a driving area. It's actually impressive that you found on your first move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took me like seven months to find the place because I'm so anal and like so specific about what I want because also it's a huge part of content for me, but I'm excited. Yeah. People are very attached to like your home aesthetic and the items within your home, right? Yeah. Very opinionated too. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. But we have to start with really the most paramount important topic, which is that you call yourself a reality show, you know, Maven. You watched a lot of reality television, right, in the past. But I really actually think that you are because you watched John and Kate Plus 8. Oh my gosh, where did you find that? No, I've gone to the depths of the internet to find out things about you. But seriously, I've never had anyone on the show that shares my love for John and Kate Plus 8. My childhood, when they got divorced, I was like frantically sobbing. My mom didn't know what to do. I watched every episode. I kept it with the whole family. I was more invested in their family life than mine. I went down a really sick rabbit hole the other day of like Maddie and Kara's Instagram accounts. Like, of course, Maddie's is public. Kara's is not because like, so their personalities, you know, when you said that you were sad when they got divorced, they were on the brink of divorce for the entire time. I mean, their relationship was so toxic. I was like, 11 watching yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I so I couldn't tell. I mean, my parents fight like cats and dogs. My version of a healthy relationship is one fight every day, but just never getting divorced. <laughs> now, I think that's like most couples. After a certain point in time, plus eight kids. With eight kids. I mean, as I've like gotten older and seen like relationships outside of my parents. Yeah. It's crazy because like my, I remember my ex-boyfriend's like parents married for like 20 or 30 years. Like they don't fight. 
at all. I mean, I guess they communicate in different ways, but I was like, damn, my parents were like, yeah, you have one of the one or the other, like fighting styles is a a whole point of contention. Also, let's talk about Diet Coke versus Diet Pepsi. You're a Diet Coke girly. I mean, they're really interchangeable for me. The thing is, is that I'll ask for Diet Coke before Pepsi. Oh, really? But it's not a deal breaker if they say like the restaurant only has Diet Pepsi. No, yeah, I also, yeah. I'm Diet Pepsi, hardcore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's the smallest little example of me actually being pretty easygoing, where I'm like, I don't, whatever, like, I just, I just don't want a full-blown Coke or a full-blown Pepsi right now. That's the one area that you'll let loose on. And okay. if they're like, we don't have diet, I'm like, no, thank you. No, we're not animals. But also, it makes your teeth rusty. You know what I mean? Regular Coke is out of the question. Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke are kind of interchangeable for me, but I do prefer Diet Pepsi. I'll, I got to be honest. I also think that that's something that I, I like backtrack and say I'm like battling against my inner recovering eating disorder. Of like course. you can drink a real Coke. <laughs> no, it's an every no, it's an everyday struggle, of course. But I, yeah. I do want to get into that with you because I know you talk a lot about disordered eating with your audience, and I want to talk to you about that because you are. 23 years old, and you are so online. Do you feel desensitized to it at this point, or does it still get to you? Definitely desensitized to it. I think that, like, the beginning was extremely hard, but it's made me like, I used to be like the most sensitive, sensitive person ever. And because of getting so much feedback, I'm just kind of like, you could literally accost me to my face, and I'd be like, okay, sick, like, catch you next Tuesday. Like, (laughs) whatever. Often that doesn't translate in person. Maybe you're fine taking criticism online, but if someone like in your personal life, do people in your personal life carry more weight or does your online community? I just had this like huge conversation actually, like with my partner last night where I like want to get bangs. And my partner was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, this is like totally different, whatever, whatever. My partner is like fully supportive of anything I do and whatever. But I was like, just to know that even if I make the worst decision ever and get the worst haircut, like I get enough negative feedback online that the people's opinions that matter to me matter more than anything. So hearing you say anything but positive affirmations, especially like my image, like the way I look is torn apart into a million different pieces online. I need nothing but positive affirmation in real life, mm. even if you're lying and telling me the bad haircut's good, you know? Totally. Because I'll read about it online. I already read about it. That I got a shitty haircut or bad bangs. Like I don't need to hear about it in person. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think I've really done that. Maybe it's some part of our childhood trauma is mirrored, but I feel like with my fiance, like I... I don't know why you need more critical people in your life. Of course, like if I'm doing something heinous and egregious, like please talk to me about it in a gentle way. But he's like, so the safe space I go to from like the more critical world. And some people are so attracted to people who like care what skirt they're wearing or, you know what I mean? Or just so hypercritical. And it's like the world's hard enough. My God. Yeah. It's also like I've been in like controlling situations my whole life being really bullied heavily for my style when I was younger and even being bullied now for my style it just makes me want to be like well fuck you I'll do that anyway or like I'll right. wear that anyway just I'm just like the rebellious kid deep down from my mm-hmm. childhood that it forces me to do the opposite well that's what I love so much about your story and what I've heard called as your fuck you success you've called yourself a fuck up you've had a messier past and I live for a messier past because I feel like the internet was so saturated with people who have just always been successful. You know what I mean? It feels like they succeeded at every like little turn and aspect of their lives. And then they just happened upon this internet career. Tell me about your life before and like the messiness of that. It was definitely like a problem child. Again, it was like a privilege to be a problem child. It came up in like an upper middle class family, pretty normal, like parents never divorced. My mom was first generation, as was my dad. And so they like 
really were like the providers and yeah. like made shit happen and like laid the foundation for an amazing childhood that they probably never got. And that being said, my brother was an extremely like overachieving, super intelligent kid who excelled in school. And I was the total opposite. So we moved from New Jersey to North Carolina when I was 10 because I got thrown out of my elementary school. Like I had taken Listerine and like sprayed it in this kid's eye (laughs) and they gave me ISS. What is that? In school suspension. I think school is really difficult for a lot of kids. And I think the only way I knew how to like get attention was to act out. So my mom was like, why are they keeping her in the principal's office for the next week after this incident? And they're like, it's actually ISS. We've never given an elementary school kid like ISS before. And so I just had to sit and do all my work at the principal's table. And at that point, my mom was like, I feel like one, Victoria's not doing well in the school district. And two, they're kind of out to get her because she's a problem kid. So my dad grew up in North Carolina. We moved back to North Carolina. And the problems kind of continued because deep down, I was the problem. (laughs) You're the through line there, yes. Yeah. So you moved to North Carolina, and was that hard making friends and stuff, and or like moving to a new school? I met one of my longest friends in North Carolina, but like that's the only person I'm still close with. I've never been like a huge friends person. I have like a few people in my life, like a best friend usually, and I found like a best friend later down the line, but it wasn't really that hard. I think I like struggled in school period and was bullied period throughout it. So that was just like a recurring theme. Right. So you were a personal trainer and then got into finance. And then tell me about finance to TikTok. I was working for a celebrity stylist first and I was like in college and I was like, let me try out all my passions. My passions were fashion and fitness. And so fashion, I realized there was no money in it. I was working under girls who were like 20, late 20s, early 30s whose parents. Ah, yes. No, I'm very, I'm very familiar with this. But just because as a millennial, and I will speak on behalf of all millennials, there are a lot of reasons you might need to borrow from your parents, whether that be like you're, we're drowning in student loan debt or a plethora of other reasons. And that's definitely a millennial problem. And that shows the difference in our generations. I remember the girl I was working for, she had to get her parent to like co-sign, cover first and last months. And I was like, I want to be free of my parents totally. now, like yesterday. Like I can't do this. I, I don't want to look up to you and be you. And not that she wasn't amazing or whatever, but I wanted to be free of totally. my family at the time. And so then I switched to fitness thinking that like personal training would be lucrative, especially in New York City. It was not. It's like a revolving door industry. I was in it for a very short period of time and never even like followed through on certification because it was such an investment into a job that I didn't think that would pay back. Right. And so at that point, I was getting to my like junior or senior year of college. My parents said, you need a job that is going to be able to pay your rent after college because they were cutting me off. And uh, my brother works in finance. My parents met working in finance. And I was like, why don't I try to find a job at a startup that will take me just see that I'm a hard worker and let me like work a bunch of different roles. And that's what ended up happening. Okay. So then the pandemic hit and you started TikTok and Depop, right? Yeah. I mean, I did Depop on the side all throughout college to like pay summer rent, but the pandemic hit my job pressed pause. I was still working my job the first year of the pandemic a little bit. And then I moved back to New York because they wanted to do it in person. And we moved back. The startup went under. I hadn't, I was stuck. I had signed another lease because I thought I was going to be working this job. And so I started making TikToks because I was just stuck in my room doing online school with no job. And you started out posting 20 to 30 times a day, something insane like that. Yeah. Which is unimaginable to me. But I feel like as I've watched you for a few months, I feel like how you do one thing is how you do everything. So like you go super hard, right? Is that part of your personality, would you say? 
Like, do you struggle with yeah. moderation? Hundred percent. I struggle with moderation and like being like addicted to things. I definitely have an addictive personality, but also like I remember my brother saying to me my whole life, he's like, we either do something zero or one hundred and ten percent, and that's just the way I am as a person. I, I struggle with that too, and it really is like a double edged sword because when it comes to mental illness, it's like we do that a hundred percent as well. You know, we do like the bad things as much as we do the good things at a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has that evolved with your social media? Like over time, is that something that you're constantly trying to balance? Yeah. I mean, I think something that one of my best friends said recently was like, you really engulf yourself in your emotions. Like when I'm sad, I'm 110% sad. Like I'm not slightly sad. Like I am like clinically depressed for a bit. And then I'm like very happy. It's just like my emotions are like, again, like zero or a hundred. Yeah. It's hard to have two sides of yourself. And I wonder often if like everyone feels like that, because I feel like the two sides of me are often so contrasting. Do you ever feel like the internet only knows one side of you? I think the internet, like anybody who like really gets to know me in like entirety sees that the internet is nothing like me. Like it's one little like facet of me. It's like a personality, like a role. It's a job. It's like showing up to work and working. No matter how many years you do it, your job's not going to understand the way you are like when you wake up at nine in the morning or like even the intimate details. And I think people think because you're filming yourself and you can bring them into every room and every part of your life that they get you, but they never get that voyeuristic way of just watching you exist unadulterated from the audience. Mm -hmm. What do you think most people misunderstand about you? That I act with malice. Something about me is like, I never care enough to hurt somebody. Like I, you're like, I just don't get, I don't have enough. No, I don't like, I don't have enough emotion or care. Like obviously like I'm an Aries and I'm a little bit of a hothead and I do struggle with anger and I will like clap back or get mad, but never truly am I trying to hurt somebody. That's the last thing I would want to do ever. Right. Has there ever been anything that you've posted online that like you've deeply regretted later or like sharing too much like a vulnerability hangover kind of thing I think like the only vulnerability hangover is like putting people online when it comes back to bite you like you let people into your life and you make videos with them and then those people end up like disappearing for your life because they do you really dirty or like they like get caught up in it and like the online shit and they only want to be online with you and they're only a friend with you for the videos or they're mm-hmm. only like or the relationship can't withstand being in front of the camera. And that's the only thing I regret. I regret nothing but putting people in front of the camera that shouldn't have been there. Mm. Is that why now you're more careful about who you show on your in your videos? For sure. I also think that like I grew so fast and also something that people don't talk about is losing followers. And I went through a little stint of like losing followers as well as gaining them. Right. And seeing that and analyzing that from a distance now, I think it was because I gained these followers because they like followed me because of other people I was around and they were only interested in seeing me with like other people that they were interested in. And so when I stopped being with them, they unfollowed. And so now I want to build this community that's centered just around me and they're only interested in me in my life. Right. So when people unfollow you, I mean, when people unfollow me, I'm like, oh, you know, it's like a punch to the gut. It's terrible. For me, it's like if one person unfollows me, I notice. But for you, it's like what number gets you to notice that there's an unfollowing trend? I mean, I check like every hour, like my following every every day. Like I, I it's just numbers. It really means nothing. But for six months, I lost over 100,000 followers on TikTok and like 60,000 on Instagram. But at the same time, I gained like like 50,000 on Instagram and gained like 90,000 on TikTok. So it was, I could see the shift. You yeah. Know? I love that you attack it so analytically. Like you really follow the data of all your videos and virality and all of that. That's incredible. So in terms of protecting your peace, I know that you 
depend on blocking people as one form of offsetting a lot of those negative comments. But does it ever just get to be too much, like this constant influx of people giving their opinions or spreading hate or even nice things? Do you ever just feel like, God, I want to turn off all the likes and comments and just continue to post, but not allow people to engage with your content? No. If, it, if Also, if I turn off the likes, it's, again, very analytical. The thing is, is, like, I view, like, my grid and my profile cumulatively. So if I put out 10 posts, like, there should be, like, six or seven that are guaranteed to do well and will appease people and make them happy and they like. And then, like, maybe one brand deal with likes turned off and one, one self-promoted thing where it's, like, me doing this shoot and turn off the likes on that because I don't care about, like, y'all loving them. Right. Y'all should love everything equally and the numbers shouldn't, like, change the opinion of that. Obviously, the likes being turned off, like, gives people, like, a, a notification that it didn't do as well but for me there's there's intention behind almost every post and like if I'm keeping it up it's for a reason and I don't want you to think that this did like drastically worse because people aren't interested in this side of me right have you ever gotten such shitty comments online or has your mental health ever reached such a point that you're like maybe I can't do this maybe I shouldn't be in such a public facing career I would say like the no it never was like maybe I can't do this but it's like I, I know I can do it. It's just like, like, is it worth it? Like, I remember like when I was about to graduate college, I'm like, is this going to be a viable job? Is this going to pay my bills? Am I doing more harm than good? Because I won't be able to get a real job after this. And then I wondered, well, will this isolate me to a point where I'll be unhappy forever? Or like, will this like ostracize me? And then I wondered like, uh, I don't really worry about that stuff anymore, but it was more like, will this hinder me more than it will help me? Right. And I feel like, honestly, everyone probably on the internet, like me and you, are mentally ill in some capacity. But having as many followers as you do, when you feel your maybe disordered eating is on shaky ground or your depression is acting up, is it harder then to have clarity about people's comments and reactions to things? Like, do you ever feel like, oh, they know that I have these problems? Do they ever use that against you and, like, weaponize it? Oh, they weaponize it all the time. It's like, especially like the, the, the there's a, such a double-edged sword about being authentic and opening up online because you open up about an eating disorder and then you can never post what you eat ever again because mm-hmm. you've struggled with disordered eating. How do you know what a good meal is? But like, because people, again, don't view you cumulatively. They view you as your mistakes. Right. And that's something I've struggled with my whole life. So I don't like care about making more mistakes and like healing more and like whatever. But no, because when I gained weight, and people commented online that did make me lose weight <laughs> when I couldn't fit into the pants I wanted to wear was when I was like fuck this shit right. I hate this like right. real life stuff is what wakes me up and makes me want to change my life when I wake up and have no friends to text nobody to talk to is when I'm like you need to like put yourself out there and go out not the comments that are like do you ever leave your house right right it comes from you So how do your mental illnesses manifest themselves? Like for me, when I'm depressed, I just start like really wanting to get in bed. Like between every meeting I'm in bed, I cancel all plans. When do you start to notice, uh uh-oh, we're like entering shaky ground and I'm not okay? There's a few telltale signs for me and they're pretty like boring people's stuff. Like if my laundry doesn't get done and if it starts stacking up, like my, I've had laundry stack up for like a year, which is like when I was like the worst, the lowest I'd ever been when I stop working out. And when I start eating out is when I'm extremely mm. like, cause I don't even want to spend the time to like fuel my own body. Like I don't even want to spend the time to work on myself. Right. If I don't wake up 
and shower and brush my teeth if I don't put on an outfit, which is still something I'm dealing with right now, like waking up and wanting to like put on an outfit and shower, but all those other Mm -hmm. things are accomplished. No, that's the thing is like they are in the most boring ways like that they manifest themselves like the laundry, the brushing the teeth, the showering, like that's all same, same with me. Do you feel like because you were posting like 20 to 30 times a day right at the beginning, but like that was during the pandemic when you were probably like lonelier and had more time on your hands or, you know, it was just like a lonely time for everyone. Has your posting cadence changed? I mean, I still make like 10 to 20 to 25 videos a day some days like it just depends on like what I have to film and like what's interesting and am I interested in filming it I think it's like I couldn't do this if it wasn't innate and it wasn't something I love it's not like some like I gotta push yourself to do this it's just something that comes naturally to me like when I was in high school I would post my Snapchat story like 30 times a day when I had like a hundred followers it was just something I always did I would imagine though like when your depression is bad I would make like no videos like it's so hard to put yourself out there when you feel so hopeless and like it's a different person that is in control you know it's like a so it's a hard thing to like keep going at the pace that you were when you feel like shit i still make videos they're just poorly done videos they are just videos where i'm like just shooting it out there to maintain like like those i went through a period where i was just fake crying on camera because i was bored (laughs) and had nothing else to do and i was depressed (laughs) and i didn't care or i was making videos of like me just making a fool out of myself and like when I'm in a good space is when I devote time and energy to my videos. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm depressed, I can make videos. It's like the scary part because it's like, maybe I don't really want to be putting out that many videos during this time and like taking more time to myself. Right. But I love that. Like I've read so many of your interviews and you're like, some of my content fucking sucks, you know, but you put it out anyway. You're just extremely consistent. Do you struggle with perfectionism? Because I feel like perfection is often the enemy of good. You just don't put anything out because you want it to be perfect. But you put everything out regardless of and you kind of just like throw spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks right yeah I mean I think that like perfect really doesn't exist so what's the point of pursuing it like there's no point I love that that's fucking genius so was there a relationship that you ever put online yeah I put on uh my first relationship online heavily like my first like TikTok like the first I've, I've been in four relationships and starting TikTok two years ago two were only like three months one was like six months and my current relationship is coming up on three months. Oh, so she, she's in California. Yeah. Okay. And so was the choice mutual to keep her offline? I think it like came from me, but like she's cool with whatever I want to do. She's okay. such a chiller, so relaxed. No, she like loves Legos. It's amazing. It's, yeah. It's truly wonderful. She's great because the thing is she's a bit older than me, but is still a child at heart the way I am, where I'm mm-hmm. can be super mature, but also like the most childish person ever. And is she the first woman you've dated? No, this is the second woman I've dated. Second woman. Okay. So the relationship that you like were saying that you guys didn't have sex, but you fell in love with kind of like the public perception of your relationship. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I feel like that's a common symptom. Yeah. I feel like my first super publicly online relationship was really hard because I fell in love with the idea of us, not the like actual like us Mm -hmm. and I like fell in love with the videos and I would watch them on repeat and be like we look so in love and we look so happy but then we would fight and like wouldn't even want to like be near each other and like didn't really do anything together and it's like well maybe in actuality we're not great together even though these videos are great but I thought before that that I was so mentally strong that no no public opinion could sway me or make me want to be with somebody but it's so subtle and subconsciously manipulates you so much right what has been the most 
controversial either decision or opinion you've had or piece of content that you've put out? Are people most up in arms about disordered eating or like bisexuality or like what gets people going? No, it's like literally like people do not care about my eating disorder. People do not care about me me being bisexual. They care about the color. I paint my cabinets more than anything. (laughs) Like I have never seen Facebook groups be created over my cabinets, like hate pages created over my cabinets, a color be denounced because of my cabinets. Like the most mundane thing that can unify millions of people, like the color of a cabinet gets me more flack than my like bisexuality or like being gay, which relates to like a smaller group right, of people right? or like a, 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 like opinion on like something small, like, but something so unifying like cabinets really gets people up. Like people will unfollow you because of a cabinet color choice. No, they will continue following me, but they'll be like, remember when your cabinets were that disgusting shade of green two years ago? I bet you regret that. Oh my God. Does that affect your decision-making? Like, do you ever have to be like, Victoria, shut it off. Do you ever struggle with like what you want versus what you know people will like? This is me having worked for like a celebrity stylist and like be in fashion. 99% of people are unfashionable so that there is the 1% that's the fashion elite. Like I do not care about 99% of people because odds are 99% of people don't have the same taste as me and this 1% of people do. And like even that 1% of people is like divisive and like split up and to care about the masses opinions is to like, like, like digress on taste, digress on vision and creativity. Right. Do you care what people think? Um, uh, in like in doses, like mm-hmm. I care if they think I've changed from the worse, or like if they think that like I seem like a fucking shell of a person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I care if they can see that. When you first rose in fame, did you lose a lot of friendships? Yeah, I, like I'm not really friends with anybody, but like my roommate from before this. No way. Can you tell me about that? Were most of them your decision or their decision? And what was like the common theme of those breakups? It was always my decision. It was like something, again, my parents said to me growing up. They're like, you can't seem to keep a relationship longer than a year. And it's because I find that I grow so rapidly and change like this that like I can't like these people aren't elastic and don't last through it. And like I've even like struggled with my friendships from when I was straight to like queer because now I'm like, this is weird. Like you saw me with a boyfriend and now I have a girlfriend. Can I talk about my girlfriend in the same free way? Are you looking at me the same way? And it's these phases of my life are so stark to me that the friendships in them are very compartmentalized. Totally. No, like some friendships aren't built for you to grow in any way. Or like people we talked about in an other episode, like are married to the version of you that they knew or had the most power over or like won't let you evolve or change. But that's so interesting that you found even just through your relationships. And I thought you were going to say like, they're weird about me dating a woman versus dating a man, but it's more like you just are a different person and they can't keep up. It's, it's me. It's never that I'm like, I have an issue of like compartmentalized people with periods of me. And when I decide to move on, I'm done. Like I, I, I move apartments. Like I, I throw away clothes. Like I start new and something that's really hard for me is trying to like keep those long lasting friendships because those are the people who are going to be there for you besides your partner, besides your family. And those are worth cultivating. Right. But it's probably hard now. People just want to be your friend to be in videos or, you know, to get the clout online. Do you run into that at all? Something I constantly struggle with is I really don't think I have that many followers. Like, 
You do. Like, I don't <laughs> think that 1.4 million followers is that many and 300,000 followers is that many because there's people with 10 million. Yeah. I think a lot more people know of me than follow me, which is a, a, a whole other conversation. Yeah. But with my friendships, I'm pretty good at sniffing them out. And if it's a mutual thing, it's a mutual thing where we both benefit off of it. If it's not, then that kind of sucks. Well, tell me about the people that just know about you versus follow you. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Like 1.4 million, massive number, right? Like yeah, 300,000 on Instagram, massive number, but like totally. people have 10 million followers, 11 million followers, hundred million followers. And but when I talk to my friends on the brand side who work at like ad agencies, who work in consulting, they're like, any white woman age 20 to 28 in a metropolitan area knows of you. And it's this, this subsection of people that has huge buying power who occupies roles in the marketing space and in the social media space that has made me so like successful financially and online because my audience is the exact same people who employ me. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. Because it's a privilege to pursue these jobs in social media and marketing because they don't pay well because it's a totally new field. Right. Oh, my God. I didn't, I, I've never thought of it like that, but that's so fascinating. So you are moving to arguably the most superficial state in the U.S. And I can say that because I was born and raised and will continue to live here for the rest of my life. I love following you on social media because you're so open about the things that you've had done. And like, I try to be too, because I'm like, what the, who am I trying to kid? Like, what do I care? You know, if you know that I've done my lips or get filler or whatever the hell. So, but I need to ask you about like specific things because there are just some things that I've never even heard of or tried. Does, do lip tattoos fucking kill? Oh yeah, probably. I have a crazy pain threshold, really crazy, like. When I was getting my chin liposuction yeah. and we finished, he was like, you didn't scream. I was like, scream. He's like, you didn't cry. I was like, cry. He's like, you didn't ask us to stop. And he's like, usually we have to take multiple breaks throughout the procedure. Like he's like, and then when I got my lip tattoo, she was like, one of the, you're one of the very few people who have been able to sit through the whole thing. No, that like, cause getting lip filler fucking kills so badly. Like it hurts like hell. The thing I think it's because that- I work out a lot. Okay. Yeah. The things I would do if I had a high pain threshold, I would get even more piercings and more tattoos than I already have. Do you have any tattoos? I don't have any piercings and I have like one tattoo because it's just like, I don't know. I've never been able, like, because I changed so much, I've never really been able to commit. I was going to say that is a symptom of you changing a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also have like, like I walk around with like crazy shin splints, which I really need to get checked out. I think they're like micro fractures or something like Like, my, no, fully. Like I'm in a lot of pain at all times because of the way I work out way too much. So all that stuff isn't really an issue for me. So how do you navigate working out all the time and your body image? Do you notice when you start to do it too much or care too much? Is it like a mental health thing as much as it is a physical thing? What's your relationship like with working out? I think any kind of workout, whether it be like short or long is like really helpful for my mental health. I don't work out for my image anymore. And I have worked out for my image and I've made my body the way I want to. It's just my life piece outside of the gym and mm-hmm. outside of looking the way I wanted to like suffered. And I rather have a life. And then like, I've I'm trying to achieve like body neutrality where my body doesn't dictate my happiness, Mm -hmm. but I'm working out too much because I can make myself sick. Like I can physically know when I'm getting sick. I get the symptoms of like the flu, except it's me just overworking my body and my body experiences flu-like symptoms when I work out too much. No way. Yeah. Like scratchy throat, headaches, like really sick. Yeah. You run marathons. 
intense, right? Like you, you go like hard as fuck in the gym. Yeah, I would say like too much for me now is I used to do like an hour on the stair climber a day and that's just like too much. Now I try to do like 15 to 30 minutes and then I'll do like a hundred reps of like 10 different act- like things. And I'm like, let's cut it down to three and do like 50. Right. So like when you're happy, do you find that you're like when you feel you're happiest, you feel the best about yourself, yourself do you find yourself wanting to work out more or less? more but like a, a healthy amount more yeah like when I'm depressed I'm not working out at all when right. I'm also like like happiness can slip back easily to overworking myself mm-hmm. which cycles back to depression right oh it all all roads lead back to depression truly it's always there it's like a UTI once you get it once it never goes away I know and it's fucking like I'm on Lexapro and like the other day I was like I feel so good I don't think I need to be on this anymore <gasps> which is like famous no. I know famous last words you literally like I always forget that I get to this point and I'm like no you're only functioning because of Lexapro have you seen the whole TikTok trend cycle that Lexapro is like the government getting you addicted to drugs like getting off Stop of it. it right now I can't hear one negative thing about Lexapro because I'm like, it's, it's my lifeline. Saved so many people's lives. It yeah, literally like, saved my life. Like it, it's crazy. Are you medicated? I take Adderall for my like ADHD, but that's it. Do you feel like it hurts your creativity at all when you take Adderall? Like when I used to take Adderall, I feel like it made me like somewhat robotic. I just don't consider myself a creative person at all. Like I feel like a practical person. So like if I like love making videos and I love recording, I have to learn these different things to make them better. And those may in essence be creative, but they're more like uh, making my like work better. Does that make sense? Like I don't. It absolutely makes sense, but it's crazy that you don't think of yourself as creative because there you have to be inherently. I think that there's I've met I've been like around so many artists in New York and like people who are super creative eccentric and what makes us different is the way I think. And I know we don't think the same. Right. So has there ever been one comment or was there ever a time in your life that like you remember letting a comment get really like penetrate really deep and made you change a behavior or make a decision that was not your own? Nothing that's ever like made me do something. Obviously I've clapped back like a few times, but Mm -hmm. like something recently that really frustrated me was somebody said, I'm only friends with my best friend out of pity. And my best friend is black, trans, queer. And no, that would make me lose my mind too. Yeah, of course. I was like, excuse me. I was like, my best friend, this is my sister. We're from the same place. Like, I don't know if I would have made it through periods without her. And no matter how much our friendship gets tested, like, who the fuck are you to comment on one of the most important relationships in my life? It's like family at that point. And I keep my family offline so that this stuff doesn't happen. Or I've even seen people like put my brother's Hinge profile on TikTok. And that made me pissed. But the thing is that both my parents like totally off off the grid like that. So they can't do that. But I think this has also forced my brother to go off the grid. Which right. Makes me pissed. But you're like, fuck with me all you want. But like, don't fuck with my family. Or Yeah. Or my loved ones. Right. Like, please. Like, I- I'm like free range. Like, rip me to shreds. Like, I'm a masochist. Go out of baby. <laughs> but everybody else, it's like, that's... This is not their page. They're not getting paid to do this. Like, And did, does you, so does your brother get like harassed by your fans? No, I don't think he gets like harassed because I think he's off the grid, but, and my family's off the grid. But like, I think there's been periods where he's like revisited the internet, revisited like online dating. And it's been like weird. Right. And it also becomes a weird thing in our relationship where I'm like, hey, maybe don't include any pictures of me on your hinge. And then he's like, okay, fuck you. Like, right, right. No, that is hard because you're not normal whatever that means. But like, you have to navigate these relationships by also factoring in the third, which is your online persona, right? 
Yeah. And what's also upsetting about it that makes me frustrated is like, even if my like girlfriend is at like her friend's house for the week, for like a, a thing and they're like, let's make a TikTok. She's like, I can't be in it. They'll put it together and they'll go through following whatever. And it sucks to me to try to restrict people in my life. Right. Like I said, I hope this doesn't hinder me more than it helps me. But uh, in essence, it has hindered a lot of my relationships. Right. Does it ever hinder your relationships in the way that they're like, you're online too much or you're sharing too much? Is your first impulse when you sit down to a meal to like take a picture or like is content first on your mind or do you have to like scale it back and be like, whoa, okay, let me just be like present for a second. Oh, I'm like the first person to sit down at dinner, turn off my phone and not be on it the whole time. If it's an engaging conversation with someone I'm interested in, most encounters I have with somebody, the first time I meet them, I don't film. And I also don't film in places that I just don't feel comfortable in. But like sometimes with my partners, I get super comfortable that I'll be on my phone a lot. And that's not in this relationship, but in the past people have been like, can you be present with me? And dating somebody else who does social media was when it got real out of hand because you'd be at dinner for 40 minutes, like, never talking yeah no that's so how do you read comments yeah i read every comment you read is but i feel like you would handle that as more of like a data point like another you know what i mean like to like learn from which i mean you have to do but do you get that guttural sting when you read something shitty about you or do you feel the need the impulse to correct someone if they think something wrong about you I think like reading the comments is staying in front of the narrative and like seeing how things are resonating. And if somebody's going to comment something like out of pocket that has nothing to do with video and making the video move in a way I don't want it to, I will rectify them, block them or like respond to them or take the video down completely. But something that would make me feel like my stomach drop is if somebody were to say like, I read a comment and all of a sudden it's my new address and nobody else knows what it means, but I know what it means. That's a direct attack on me. And I'm like, you're a fucking bitch. What do you do when that happens? That's happened. Like when I was apartment shopping, people were screenshotting every listing for rent and sending it to me and being like, I hope it's this one. Or is it this one? Ah. This is so expensive. I can't believe you're looking at this. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. This is why I can't even say anymore on my page. I just say California. Wow. Okay. We'll bleep out because that's scary as fuck. That's like when your safety comes into play. That's terrifying. Yeah. And that's one of the main reasons why I'm moving because I love New York. I lived in New York for like four years before or three years before social media. I don't live in a New York anymore. I have an apartment in New York. I can't walk through Soho. Like obviously sometimes I can, but like without the paranoia getting right. to me. And people There's probably- no living. Right. Do people like stop you every second on the sidewalk? Sometimes, but sometimes not is the thing that I get a lot of backlash for being like, I'm so important. People, they stop me. But it's not just that. It's the paranoia. I'm not truly living because I'm so paranoid that somebody's listening. Somebody's falling. Somebody's watching. Because New York is so like. Yeah, you're like on top of each other. So if you're sitting at a restaurant, theoretically, you're sitting like right next to someone and that person could hear your conversation. Like, does that ever happen? I have pictures on my Instagram that I posted of girls taking pictures of me in restaurants, like sitting with my brother at dinner. And then I just take the picture and I'm like, fuck you and post it on my Instagram main feed. And I'm like, and I'll caption it something shady. That's so fucking weird. That must feel bizarre. Does feeling watched all the time, does that trigger any like disordered eating or like body image stuff? No, it triggers my paranoia. Paranoia is something I've always struggled with my whole life where I can't relax. I'm like, anybody who knows me well can tell when I'm on edge. And so, like, I can't enjoy the dinner because I'm paranoid those girls over there at the table are watching and listening and saying stuff. Um, I've literally had people come up to me and my girlfriend be like, so you're the girlfriend. Be like, and she's like, what do you want me to say? Obviously, like, you saw the fucking back of my head. Like, you want a picture? Like, right. And even when my, my last relationship ended, people literally came up to me and they were like, sorry that your ex broke up with you. I was like, 
You're like, just trying to walk somewhere. Just because I put it online doesn't mean I get a talking point when you meet me. Like, I have no clue who you are. What's first and last name? Like, can I get your social? Like, Right. No, people have no boundaries. And when they feel like you share, they feel like you share everything. But there's probably a whole bucket of your life that you don't share. You know what I mean? And that they're not entitled to. When you first started out, did you share everything like has your privacy evolved a lot other than not sharing relationships like have you started to just like curb what you share people are like we hate that you don't shoot on the street anymore like shoot photos on the street or even on my balcony and I'm like that's because y'all violated my privacy that's because like I can't even show you what neighborhood I live in anymore like without like people literally standing outside my door which was when I had my like last straw and I was like I need a second like six months that's terrifying showing up to like my deli when they know I go or like my gym and taking pictures of me at the gym. And that's when I was like, again, 1.4 million followers is not enough for y'all to be acting like this. Right. And then there's like no distinction between your real life and your online life. And like that can be suffocating. So who are the kind of people that get blocked by you? Are they the creepers and like the people that post your address or are they other content creators who you just don't fuck with? Um, I stopped blocking other content creators because I realized this industry is really small and everybody's going to stay in it for a long time. Like people come up, like you could follow somebody at a hundred thousand followers and like get in a feud with them. And then all of a sudden they have 10 million. So I don't like beef with other content creators anymore. There's tons of people I don't like, but that's where like, I'm not going to like make it an issue with them. People in the comments though, that's free range. Like you comment something like slightly off. Like I don't like the color of your shirt blocked. I don't care. Like when did you start doing that? I've always done that. I blocked people in high school when I didn't like people. Like, I've always blocked people my whole life. Like, my block list on my phone before starting TikTok was obscene. No way. Does that translate to your relationships? Like, in friendship breakups, I'm not this person at all, but I admire people that can do it. Do you have the conversation with them where, like, this is the way you fucked up? This is the energy I'm trying to protect within myself? Or do you just ghost? Do you just say, like, I'm like, oh, I used to be like, you did X, Y, and Z and fight people. I would literally fight people, like, my whole life. And then I realized there's no point in fighting people who aren't going to treat you well and aren't ever going to change. So then I just started ghosting people when I heard, like, some, like, such shit, like, her, they said something behind my back. I'm like, never responding to your text again. That's my vibe, too. Yeah, never responding now, never really engaging. They're not even worth the fight or the conversation anymore. Um, And I'm still, like, mutuals with tons of people who I fucking hate now. Like, it's just not worth, like, the beef. Right. Are there any friendship breakups that you regretted the way that you handled it? Oh, my God. Anytime I was petty or not the bigger person, I regret it all the time. Like, I wish... Like, now I've developed the mentality of being friends with my exes, or at least cordial, um, because, again, the paranoia that they'll come back to bite me or try to hurt me later. And recently, I've tried to tell myself, it's okay if this person literally does you so dirty to hate them and block them and never speak to them again. You don't owe them friendship just because you're trying to mitigate that paranoia that they'll come back and hurt you later. Yes, yes. Let's say you had a bad day, a bad experience, an embarrassing moment, X, Y, and Z, when you didn't have a significant other. Was the internet your first call, so to speak? And who is now? I used to, before the, like being big on social media, I used to text my best friend all day long and like tell, tell my best friend at the time everything and like call them constantly. But now sometimes I'll call my friend or I'll make a video or I'll call my significant other. Or if it's something that's really bad, I'll try to call a parent and be like, hey, I'm so sad. Like I remember when 
I showed up to rent a car and they were treating me like shit because I'm a young girl. I called my dad because I was like, the internet's not going to help me with this. My dad knows me. No, that's a dad call. Yes, for sure. Are you in therapy or do you go to therapy? I tried it out for a little bit. This is going to be like the most narcissistic and horrible thing to say. I can't wait. I want a therapist who's smarter than me. Right. I want a, like, I need Duh. somebody who can outwit me, who can run around circles in me. And that's going to take so long to find. And I try to find somebody who is like as sharp in the way that I'm sharp. And that wasn't that easy. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's totally normal. Like who wouldn't want a therapist that's smarter than them? Like you don't want to feel like you're like pandering. It's not even that my therapist wasn't smart. It was just that she played dumb to so much shit. I was like, if I'm going to spend 10 therapy sessions to you explaining social media and what Instagram is and how TikTok notifications work, this is moot. Like, I need somebody who's, like, on the same playing field as me. I'm not spending money to explain to you how social media works. Right. So how do you take care of your mental health? I think working out and, like, doing all those things we talked about and, like, literally, like, if I am not sleeping... Like, that's so bad. Like, sleeping, eating well, working out. Totally. Like, not, like, taking excessive Adderall. Like, I take, like, the lowest dose possible now just to prove to myself that, like, if I want to stop this, I can stop it. If I want to take this, I can take it. It doesn't really change me, but it's just all keeping structure. Definitely. So are you open about, like, childhood trauma on your page? And do you regret that ever? No, I also like, don't really remember much of my childhood because I did a lot of drugs in my teens and it's really affected like a lot of like Xanax and it really affected my memory and I have a lot of memory loss. And so, so I'm like, uh, childhood trauma, like can't really remember her. Definitely know I have some. But... No, isn't it crazy how much Xanax like affects your memory? Yeah, I was like taking it for fun for like a long time, like all of high school, I'd say, and probably into the beginning of college. And like now I can't even remember who went to my first high school or my second high school. They like mixed together. I don't remember any teacher's names from all of elementary school. Like my memory is shot. No way. I read that it's like linked to dementia, not to freak us out because we both took it, but like it's linked to like dementia now or like some bullshit. Yeah, probably. When do you feel like you got your mental health under control? When I started marathon training, mm. definitely, because like you can't be anything but a hundred when you're training to run 26.2 miles. And if you're not anything but a hundred, you're using steroids. Right. So that you needed to physically perform. So you felt like, okay, I got to get all this other shit under control. I can't be fighting people and running 15 miles a day. I can't be sleeping three hours and running 15, 20 miles a day. I can't be eating one meal and running 15. It was saved my life. I was also like super addicted to dueling and I had the initial signs of like pre-lung cancer is when you're like finger nails start to buckle and turn in on themselves and you get clubbed nails and I had the initial signs of like lung cancer because I was going through a pot a day I had gingivitis club nails and I started marathon training and I realized I couldn't run I would run with my jewel and I realized I couldn't run more than five miles with my lung capacity and I was like I have to make a change in my life to run this marathon which I was raising money for MS which is something my mom has oh wow that's amazing I was like I have to change my life to run this marathon wow Wow. And that's, that's, so you ran it for, how did you run it for MS? I ran for like the National Organization of Rare Diseases. And then like they donated like some of it to like MS research, but there was no cut and dry charity that was donating to MS, but it was a super frustrating one, but they like help a lot of people with MS. And I wanted to donate, I wanted to do MS spot, but they weren't doing New York that year. And then I was actually planning to run Berlin the year after and then COVID hit. Oh, so yeah. When, when COVID hit, did you stop being able to work out or did you just work out at home? 
Oh my God, it worked out even more. Like COVID was when I was the most in shape because I was like, I'm going to like kill this marathon. Oh, you went COVID that stuff. approach. I had the opposite approach. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's the thing. You're either one or the other. Yeah, a hundred percent. I was like, oh shit, I should probably move my body. Like my steps were like 200 steps a day. It was insane. I feel that. I was doing like, I was listening to like every podcast under the sun, walking 10 miles, doing like prison workouts in my parents' garage. Oh my God. Working out with no equipment, just like like crazy. Like they literally call them prison workouts because they're stuck in a cell and they have no equipment and they just work out. And that's what I was doing because I had no equipment. Damn. Yeah. So what's a way in which that you're working on yourself these days? Like what's the hill that you're trying to climb? Is it wrangling like anger or working on your mental health? What is what are you working on right now? I think it's structure, like optimizing my time, like figuring out like when to let go of things and what to work on. Like, should I be waking up at this certain time every day and this time of the day be at the gym and meal prepping this? And like, should I make sure, like, I don't even have a content structure. I just make videos when I want to make videos. I have no structure in my life. I do everything on time and everything gets done, but maybe I need to look into the side and figure out like, just because I'm not working a nine to five doesn't mean I can't have boundaries. Right. Why does not having structure hurt your life? I think I've always been a structured person. Mm -hmm. Like I thrived working for other people because I had to show up at that time. So I had to get everything else done for me before that. And like deadlines I'm great with. Yeah. But you have to like, because you could theoretically continue without any structure, but you feel like it's bad for your mental health. I think that's the main reason why I'm moving to California because where I'm moving is there's no service outside of the house. There's literally, you have to, you have to drive 20 to 30 minutes to where my house is and there's no service driving through this canyon to get to my house. So if I go to and from my house twice a day, that's two hours a day times by seven days a week, that's 14 hours a week. That's a full day off my phone a week. And that is boundaries. You're really good at math, huh? Mm, seven times by two. But, I mean, like, that's pretty good for me. I'm like, but I feel like the, how quickly you went through that. I just feel like you're, I mean, you worked in finance. You have to be good at math. Yeah, a little. Right. So what's your screen time? per week 11 hours a day 11 hours a day and that's on tiktok instagram linkedin twitter like i feel like you use everything yeah i don't i don't have linkedin but i do have everything else (laughs) i am never gonna hear the end of it for mentioning linkedin like i sound like such a fossil i swear i don't use linkedin i'm actually very against it but i just had to know if you use all the social media platforms or not I think there was like a Victoria Paris on LinkedIn, actually, like they Googled you and it was like, I don't know what, she's not you. <laughs> she's someone Tell else. her to give me my name back. For real. Is your name really your name? Yeah. It's like, a, I feel like it's a stage name. It's amazing. It's a beautiful name. I made this whole video about it with like Suki Waterhouse. And I was like, if you name your kid like a sick name, you set them on this kind of trajectory. That's I know. Like, crazy. Note to self, give your kids a, an incredible name. Like no stupid names around here. No, it's literally so easy, too, because when I give people, like, my ID and stuff, they're like, oh. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for doing this with me. This was really fun. I loved it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I mean, doesn't the way her brain work just blow your mind? I I feel like I just got a whole lesson in life from Victoria Paris. loved talking to her and I feel like it was an expansive conversation that I learned a lot from. So that is it for me this week. Thank you guys so much for listening and always hanging out with me. I'll see you guys back here same time, same place next week. Have an incredible week and yeah, love you. Bye.